This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, does the mere thought of heading to the grocery store create some stress for you? Or are you struggling to put food on the table? If you are, you're certainly not alone. The rising cost of food has been a challenge for Canadian households for some time now. You'll remember it was the center of a parliamentary investigation into food prices earlier this year when members of parliament summoned the heads of the country's largest grocery store chains to answer for rising food prices. Well, a report has been released and it shows grocers are not entirely to blame for rising costs. It also makes some recommendations. So we're going to discuss those coming up. But the big question for consumers, of course, is when will costs stabilize and will we ever see prices comparable to pre-pandemic values? So joining me now to answer some of those questions is Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. He's a professor and director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and former dean of the Faculty of Management for Dalhousie University. Sylvain, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. You know, you're certainly the nation's expert when it comes to food costs. And before we get into the, today's discussion, can you maybe share for me a little bit more with our listeners about the Agri-Food Analytics Lab and what you guys are doing there? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we have a team of about uh, 15 people. And uh, what we do basically is that we try to understand uh, different phenomena affecting food systems, particularly in Canada. So, you know, any any disruptions, uh, any change in policy, we try to forecast. We, and we survey a lot of Canadians. We try to understand where things are going from from both ends of the food continuum. So, so we look. Uh, well, these days, food affordability is certainly a big topic, but we also look at uh, you know uh, issues like aquaculture. Uh, we also look at uh, food banks, uh, food waste, uh, labeling, uh, cultured meat. Actually, is another topic that we're looking into: uh, lab-grown meat, which was just approved in the United States. So we look at a lot of different issues. Yeah, you're certainly a busy group, and you know all the different things that you guys put out there is always well received. That's on. I see you all the time commenting on things that are happening in the country with regards to different foodstuffs and and food pricing and so on. So, you know, great to hear from you today on our discussion around the high cost of food that we're continuing to see. We've got a lot to talk about, I think, on this subject, and we're going to discuss the recommendations from the parliamentary committee that examined the rising food costs. But let's first start with the financial strain that the cost of food continues to have on household budgets. So the Financial Planning Canada's latest financial stress index, which was just released a week ago, shows that in Inflation's impact on the cost of goods and services and elevated gas and grocery prices specifically are contributing to Canadians' financial stress. In fact, the FB Canada Financial Stress Index shows that the rising cost of groceries continues to be the top external factor at 69% impacting Canadians' financial stress. So it's higher than inflation overall, which was at 63%, higher than gas, which is at 49%, rising interest rates, which was 33%, which surprises me it's that low, actually, and mortgages at 22%. So I know from our recent BDO affordability index as well that nearly half at 43% of Canadians are sacrificing essentials like food in order to pay monthly bills and debt obligations. So, so then what's your response to these statistics? Do they surprise you at all? And I guess how concerned are you to hear this? 
Uh, I'm, I, I'm obviously I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, we should all be. Uh, in fact, uh, as soon as uh, you know, uh, our ability to pay for anything, uh, any necessities of life, I guess uh, we should be concerned. And uh, you know, right now, all uh, Canadian households are are being financially attacked. Basically, <laughs> shelter is more expensive for most people, uh, and obviously, food is more expensive too. And so, uh, it's it's a double whammy impacting most people and uh, and so I sit on the board of Second Harvest in, in Toronto which is the largest food bank in the country and and let me tell you uh, traffic is on the rise but what's really troubling is that um, you know 60% of of new users, uh, people who are coming to Second Harvest, have jobs, and so that's really concerning. Yeah, no, it absolutely is, and you know, it continues to be a topic that we're seeing in the news, right? Multiple times a week, we're seeing something around, you know, inflation or rising uh, food prices or you know the the cost of living that you know Canadians are are struggling with. And of course, we know according to the RBC report that just came out, food prices have by 18% over the past two years. And even as inflation comes down, albeit slowly, it seems that the cost of food is continuing to increase. But I think it's worth pointing out that according to the RBC report, while prices are still high and rising, it is at a slower pace, but still considerably high compared to a year ago, for example. So as of April, food prices were still 8.3% higher than a year ago. So Sylvain, I guess, why are we seeing food costs continuing to rise well it's um, it's a global phenomena and, and that's really what uh, what needs to be underscored here I know a lot of people are wondering oh my goodness uh, are our grocers uh, taking advantage of the situation uh, to be honest uh, I mean when you look at food sales uh, just yesterday Empire Sobe's just released its uh, its latest uh, financial results and uh, food sales are actually dropping uh, year to year. Uh, so people are spending less on food. So grocers tend to make more money selling other things. Uh, and so that's something that is going on. But but costs have gone up. Uh, 2022 really created a new baseline when it comes to costing globally. And, and that's why it's important to recognize how global food systems are. We import for you know well over 50 billion dollars worth of food in Canada wholesale and uh, and we export too so and and prices are mostly negotiated on world markets so we're not immune to any of this no, it's definitely uh, concerning, right? And I think what's concerning for me is that people are spending less, and I think that's not because they, um, not because they don't want to buy the things, right, that they need. It's that they can't afford to buy the things that they need. So the spending less piece for me, I think, and getting less for what they're spending is concerning because of, you know, that worry that they're not putting enough food on the table, right, or they're putting food on the table for, you know, their family, but they're going without for themselves, which can lead to all kinds of, of other trouble. And I think on top of rising food prices, consumers also saw what we call shrinkflation take place. So not only are we paying more for some products, but we're paying more for less. So Sylvan, can you speak to this and, and watch the consumers be paying attention to here? Yeah, so shrinkflation annoys a lot of people. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> people... 
know what it is. Uh, it's basically a uh, a strategy, uh, and it's when you actually reduce the volume of a product, uh, but you still charge the same price. So you're getting less for your money, essentially. And, and most of the time, it's uh, it's subtle. Changes aren't necessarily uh, obvious. Uh, it's when you go home, and then all of a sudden, you you bought a product a few years ago, and then you see that uh, that the product is actually smaller. And it really annoys a lot of, uh, of Canadians, uh, and rightly so. But what's really neat uh, is that the CBC just created a, uh, a database, a shrinkflation database, so you can actually go online and look at all of the products that have been shrinkflated, quote-unquote, over the last few years. It's a, it's a French uh, database, so it's Radio-Canada who created, which created the database. But uh, to understand shrinkflation, all you need is, is a picture and, and numbers, and it's all there. So you, even if you don't understand French, you can still uh, see the list of all of the products that have been shrinkflated uh, in Canada over the last five to seven years. So it's really, it's a neat, I think it was needed for, for transparency's sake. Yeah, no, for sure, because you don't always pick up on that yourself. Like, you might see maybe, oh, the can looks a little smaller, but if it's just, like, the fluid ounces that are changing or the grains or whatever the case may be, whatever you're buying, you may not pick up on it right away until maybe you're cooking with it and say, oh, it's not going as far as it used to, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think the big question that everyone is asking right now, of course, is as inflation draws nearer to that 2% mark, as it starts to stabilize, will food costs start to come down? So will we see food prices at the level they were pre-pandemic or are these higher costs now going to be the norm? Yeah, so we need to be careful here. I know a lot of people are hoping that food prices will go back to where they were. Um, it's uh, it's wishful thinking. Uh, as I said, salaries have gone up. The costs uh, to do anything has gone up. There, there is some pr- carbon pricing going on uh, around the country. And as you know, uh, Nancy, in a few uh, days from now, uh, we're all going to be hit by, by a much higher carbon tax uh, for everything, including at the pump. And so that's going to impact uh, our lives quite dramatically to be honest and so it's it's impossible to think well it's it's impossible that this uh, this extra carbon tax won't impact the cost of food I mean that's that's the reality so there's lots of different things that are we don't see as consumers that really make that are making food more expensive overall so but the food inflation rate will continue to drop it has dropped in the US it will continue to drop in Canada and we're expecting to finish the year uh, 2023 at around 5%. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing for people to remember, right, is that, you know, as inflation comes down and stabilizes, what we're seeing is that we're not going to continue to see things going up at the significant rates that we've been seeing. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to come down or even close to coming uh, to what we were seeing in prices a year or two or, or three ago. So we know there's also a lot of speculation or accusations, I guess, of greedflation within the grocery sector. And a reason why CEOs of Canada's biggest supermarkets were actually summoned by a parliamentary committee to face some questions earlier this year. Well, the parliamentary report is out, and so then we'll share his thoughts on the findings when your money returns. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here in VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Smedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Dr. Sylvan Charlebrault. He's the Professor and Director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and former Dean of the Faculty of Management at Dalhousie University. So the focus of today's discussion is on the high cost of food. And we've seen grocery costs soar since the start of the pandemic. And even as inflation cools, again, albeit slowly, we are continuing to see costs as a checkout increase. It seems consumers really just can't catch a break when it comes to that. And the financial strain the high cost of groceries have had on household budgets has been a huge concern from coast to coast. And there was a lot of blame put out there on countries' grocery chains. And some were making accusations of what they call greedflation, which prompted parliamentarians to summon grocery CEOs to Ottawa to face questions about soaring profits and food inflation. Well, the parliamentary report on those hearings has been released. And there are several recommendations. We'll get to those in a minute. But a key finding of the report is that grocers are not entirely to blame for high food prices. The grocery sector is not experiencing greedflation. So... So then certainly much different rhetoric, right, and a differing tone from when the hearings were taking place. So what's your response to this finding? Well, I read the report, and uh, uh, I think we uh, we spoke about this before. I actually did participate as a witness uh, a while back and uh, was cited in, in the report. So I was pleased that, uh, that the committee considered uh, – uh, our recommendations very seriously, uh, and I actually met the chair of of the committee just a few days ago in Antigonish and uh, and and spoke highly of the report. I thought it was a good report. Thirteen recommendations in all. Um, Eleven of them really have to do with with food policy f- over the long term. I mean, the the committee really addressed issues like food waste, feeding the North. Uh, uh, empowering the Competition Bureau, giving it more authority. I mean, there's lots of good things. Uh, I, I, but the tone of the document really points to the fact that uh, while the committee wanted to point fingers at companies and people, uh, they quickly realized after talking to experts and, and the food industry that food inflation is a complex phenomena. And so I wasn't surprised that really there was no evidence. There are two recommendations that I thought were a little off. One is about transparency, forcing companies to publish costs or their 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 cost structure, which would be a little silly because all of a sudden, well, we're having some issues with competition in Canada. Clearly, given what what happened this week with Canada Bread, uh, you, disclosing forcing companies to disclose costs would probably lead to more collusion. I mean, it's uh, that's because that's how companies would behave. That's how they would react. And the other uh, recommendation that I thought was a little risky, if you will, is is the recommendation to implement a windfall tax uh, uh, in the food industry. And that's another dangerous road to take because if you actually implement a windfall tax, we'll, we would all end up uh, paying for that tax and, and prices would rise even further. Uh, when you understand how low margins are, uh, companies wouldn't have much of a choice but to uh, to pay more. And, and frankly, the other concern that I have is where do you draw the line? Uh, what are excessive profits? Is it 2%, 3%? And uh, that's the one thing that um, I haven't heard yet from people who do want to penalize the food industry for generating too much, pro- too many, too much profits. 
Yeah, it is a slippery slope, like you said, right? I mean, you know, Canada's grocers could face these taxes if the Competition Bureau finds price gouging. But to your point, we don't really know what that means, right? So what is too much? Yeah. And, and, and of yeah. course, uh, Nancy, you know that uh, banking now has a windfall tax. Uh, it has to pay a windfall tax. And have we seen banking fees drop? Have we seen profits drop? <laughs> yeah. So we, we got to be careful what we wish for here. No, absolutely. And as you said, you know, the report makes several recommendations. There are 13 in total. And when you think about the recommendations that are out there, one, I think, thing that we have to ask is, is the way to address greedflation, which I want to point out the report, again, says the grocery sector is not experiencing. Um, how can we explain the difference here? Well, so, th- yeah, the, the thing we need to understand here is that, uh, like I said, uh, Food inflation is a complex phenomena, and so there's lots of things that do happen. Uh, different verticals are affected differently. There's 20,000 products in a grocery store on average, and all of them have a story. And um, you want competition. You want prices to be different from one store to another. Uh, what's really ironic these days is that people will go into a store, will take pictures of certain products, uh, and go into another store, will take the picture picture of the same product and will argue that well that one is actually more expensive than the other therefore that one expensive product is a trick uh, the grocer in question is is gouging consumers which I think is a little silly because you want different prices there, there's different demand for each store each manager actually manages a different clientele and so you want differences in the system you don't want say peanut butter to be the same price across the island, across the province, it would it would signal collusion, basically. Yeah, no, and I think you're right, right? There'd be a different set of issues if that was the case. And it's not a fair comparison because for every item I think that you find more expensive from one store to the next, there's another item in that other store that's probably cheaper than, than that store, right? So exactly. it, it, there's a bit of back and forth there and people have different specials and, and things like that. And we wouldn't want the reductions to go away. That's right. But you can't blame Canadians for being uh, skeptical because of what's going on with, you know, the bread price fixing scheme, uh, the investigation that is still ongoing after eight years. Uh, there's some some rumors about meat prices, some rumors about chocolate prices, fish and seafood. Uh, the Bureau has not delivered. All we see right now are companies coming forward uh, admitting guilt. Uh, it's not because we're forceful. And that was, so I, I totally understand why people are skeptical uh, because right now I would say that Canadians feel absolutely unprotected by the Bureau. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you, right? There's lots of uncertainty out there with some of these things that just increases your skeptic- skepticism story overall. So one yep. of the things I'd like um, to get your opinion on, so the country's five largest grocery store chains control 80% of the grocery market here in Canada. Does this need to change? 
I, I, I think we can live with, uh, with an oligopoly. Uh, the problem that we have in Canada is that we don't really protect our independent grocers. And I know uh, that in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, as an example, uh, we've seen many communities lose one, say, one grocery store. Or, uh, say, the same grocery store is not owned by, or the, a couple of grocery stores uh, are owned by the same operator. And, and that leads to less competition retail. And, and, and people have f- fewer options. Now, we're seeing dollar stores and, and different outlets taking advantage, advantage of, of that void. But I think we've done a poor job, except for Quebec, we've done a poor job uh, protecting independent grocers. And, and if we can do that, uh, that, that would be a gain. And I think the code of conduct, there's lots of discussion about the code of conduct. And I know it's a complicated issue for your listeners, but basically by implementing a code of conduct, it will bring more discipline to the marketplace and it will protect uh, small and medium-sized businesses and independent grocers as well. Because right now, I would say that Loblaws and Walmart are dominating the market and are quote-unquote bullying the supply chain. And that needs to end. And and that's a great segue, actually, because as we said, there's 13 recommendations, but one of the ones that I think you support is the need to make changes to improve supply chains, right? To change to tariffs and and removal of red tape when it comes to hiring workers. So the need to reduce costs at the producer or firmer level all the way up to the grocer. So can you speak a little bit about this recommendation and share your thoughts on how these changes could benefit consumers? Yeah, no, absolutely. So the the uh, again, I actually thought that the report was really uh, was really strong and recognized that some changes are required around uh, supply chain discipline. Uh, the economics are really against uh, smaller players, and uh, and we have a vast country. That's the thing. Uh, it's a very very big country with few people, and uh, and that's why we tend to to see higher prices and, and margins are actually higher on average compared to the US um, and the so you want to make Canada uh, Newfoundland Labrador a more attractive market and, and the way to do that of course is to you know eliminate interprovincial barriers uh, you need to make sure that you know the bureaucracy is not as heavy there's lots of taxes in Canada we don't really see that but do, doing business in Canada is very costly Talk to Target about it. Uh, you know, Lowe's. Uh, um, there's uh, there's different Nordstrom. I mean, all of these retailers have actually come and gone uh, because Canada is an expensive place to do business, and so that's why those are things that need to change. And and the, and the committee did recognize that. Yeah, and and you're right. It's. You know, you see it sometimes when you're traveling, right? And the cost of something in oh the U.S. Goodness, is yes. significantly different, right, than some of the costs yep. that we're seeing for the same products in Canada. And it is related to the more um, extensive production, I guess, to, to either produce it or get it into Canada, but also the taxes, right, that we're paying on some things here. So yep. two Especially other key recommendations. Because in the Atlantic, yeah. we're isolated. And it's even worse here. We're very vulnerable in the Atlantic. No, absolutely. So two other key recommendations of the Agriculture and Agri-Foods Report is the need to address food waste and food insecurity. So Savile will share his thoughts on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 530 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM.
Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So my guest today is Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. He's a professor and director of Agri-Foods Analytics Lab and the former dean of the Faculty of Management for Dalhousie University. So we're talking about the high cost of food today and the Parliamentary Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Foods report that was released about a week ago. So the report includes several recommendations on how to address the rising cost of groceries. And before the break, we talked about a few of those recommendations. Another proposal in the report addresses the need to combat food insecurity, especially in more remote areas. And food insecurity is something that was really brought to light during the pandemic, and even more so as food costs soared to 40-year highs. So, so then what are your thoughts on this recommendation, and what do you see as solutions to addressing food insecurity in Canada? Well, you know, it's it's a good question, and uh, I know there, there are lots of solutions out there that are being presented so far what we're seeing uh, is a government sending out checks. Uh, so we've heard of the grocery rebate, uh, and mm-hmm. that's going to come out on July 5th. And um, so it's it's going to help. It's $2.5 billion, but uh, it's only going to help temporarily. We need long-term solutions. And um, I think one of the solutions that I've actually advocated for for a few years now is, uh, is a Canadian version of the SNAP program in the United States, uh, also known as a food stamp program. I know there's some stigma around food stamps, but I mean, nowadays you can digitize everything and you can basically give a card to anyone and you wouldn't know uh, that someone actually has, relies on a, a government-funded program to, uh, to, to feed uh, him or herself or, or him or uh, his or her family. And so uh, I think there's a lot of value there because sending out two point five billion dollars uh, to Canadians, to 11 million Canadians, um, they can do whatever they want with that money. You don't know for sure it's going to help food security at all. But with food stamps, you, you have no choice but to spend that money at the grocery store. And, and I would go even further. Why not uh, incentivize people to buy local, locally grown, local, local foods and healthy foods instead of, you know, undesirable, unhealthy food products? And so th- to me, that would be a good solution. The other solution, of course, that is being shared widely is, is a guaranteed minimum income, which also would be valuable. Uh, but that that would require way more research to understand exactly uh, what the implications would be. Yeah, there's, there is a lot of work that needs to be done, right, to figure out what the right solution is. I tend to agree with you. Like, it's hard, I guess, as a government to come out, to come up with what the best solution is that's going to help people as quickly as possible. And sometimes sending out money like they're doing with the um, the grocery rebate is a quick fix, but it's not by no means a permanent solution, right? And that's where we need to get to. And, you know, there's no doubt with continuing high inflation and rising interest rates that household budgets are stressed. So we mentioned off the top the show that the rising cost of groceries continues to be the top external factor at 69% impacting Canadians' financial stress. So we've seen in Red News reports, of course, that see people skipping meals, Canadians are concerned about their ability to feed themselves, and Angus Reid's study reported that more than half of Canadians polled found it difficult to feed their household. For respondents whose income was less than $25,000 a year, the proportion increased to 71%. Heartbreaking, really. And we know demand at food banks is extremely stressed right now. 
So addressing food waste is another recommendation in the parliamentary report. So doing so could result, I think, in some savings, Sylvan. So we've talked about this in previous shows. The statistics on food waste here in Canada are quite alarming. So according to the United Nations report last March, the average Canadian weighs 79 kilograms of household food every year. That adds up to 2.94 million metric tons of household food waste annually. The dollar figure on that is about $31 billion. So what are your thoughts on this? And I guess, what are some causes of food loss? To me, uh, I mean, food waste is uh, is a low-hanging fruit. I mean, you can actually, by tackling food waste, you can help a whole lot of people, uh, especially uh, Canadians, uh, consumers. Uh, we are a wasteful country, uh, let's face it. And, uh, and there are a couple of reasons why. Uh, one... Uh, one of the biggest drivers of food waste is that we don't really manage our inventories at home quite quite well. Uh, we're doing a better job now because of food inflation and the fact that a lot of people work from home. You're more aware of what you actually have at home. So that's quite, that's helping. Uh, the other issue is is uh, our best before dates. Actually, we act, tend to throw out a lot of a lot of perfectly good food. Uh, best before dates uh, does, best, uh, best before date doesn't mean bad after. Uh, a lot of people, because of our strong food safety culture, we tend to throw away a lot of food. Uh, we just released a study on you know uh, on best before dates, and uh, it's it's just incredible how uh, how people you know just aren't necessarily willing to consume uh, foods uh, after after that date and and I can understand some people who are uh, who have a, a compromised immune system but a lot of people are healthy and and they could just use the sniff tests or senses that they have to to assess risks so that's if you tackle those two things in in, in through policy and strategy that's great um, I mean there's lots of apps now that are out there, too good to go. Flash food, foodie row. They they all they're all empowering consumers to become uh, quote unquote food rescuers, and you can get some really really good deals. I mean, fifty percent off. Like you can actually cut your budget food budget in half and still get perfectly good food. So more and more people are thinking about food waste very differently and and because we're talking about it. And that's that's certainly a gain. Yeah, and I think because of the cost of inflation or the cost of groceries, I guess, because of inflation, um, people are kind of forced to look at that stuff a little more, which is, is actually not a bad thing. Like, it's probably one of the silver linings, right, that has come out of this whole thing is that people are thinking more about that sort of food waste. And uh, it's a way that they are able to save money. So to reduce food waste, some tips here. Shop smart. Most people tend to buy more food than they actually need, right? So buy what you need. You know, look through the flyers. Try to save yourself as much money. Meal planning. Um, Store food correctly. So improper storage leads to a massive amount of food waste. Learn how to preserve. Uh, Don't be a perfectionist. Keep your fridge clutter free and save leftovers. So that's just a few tips. Anything else you want to add there, uh, Sylvan, on how people can help reduce their food waste? 
Um, no, don't be shy to, uh, you know, be creative with leftovers for sure. And, uh, I mean, I can tell you because you work from home, uh, or because people work from home, they're not, uh, they're not hesitant to actually eat leftovers two or three days in a row. <laughs> and you can save a lot of money before COVID. Uh, we did travel a lot more. We didn't work from home. And so, um, leftover, uh, management was a little bit more challenging. So now we can save more. So I would t certainly take advantage of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And honestly, I love leftovers. Oftentimes things taste better yep. after they're a day or two old, right? The flavor really, <laughs> really gets exactly. in there. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the parliamentary report and some of the recommendations. Are there anything, anything maybe that we haven't touched on yet, but stood out to you in the report? Uh, not really. I think we've tackled uh, the, the most important uh, issues. Now, of course, uh, the one thing that really bothered me about the windfall tax is that the Parliament Committee did say, and I, I think that was to please uh, um, uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, uh, they did say that if the Competition Bureau finds any evidence of gouging, uh, Parliament should implement a windfall tax. The problem with, with that recommendation is that the the Competition Bureau study, and that we've met with the Competition Bureau a couple of times, has nothing to do with assessing profiteering at all. It has everything to do with assessing uh, competitive dynamics. So it's it's a so basically they just pass the buck to the bureau, and the bureau likely uh, will uh, not recommend anything because it wasn't really in scope of the study they were conducting. Yeah, so it, and and there's some of that that happens quite often, right? When we're looking at these reports and studies and all that, that it ends up being, well, let's have this department look at it, or let's have this uh, department take it on, but it doesn't get us to uh, the right solution. So we know as Canadians continue to struggle with high food costs, there are always ways that they can save. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with BDO. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Dr. Sylvan Shalabar. He's a professor and director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and former dean of the Faculty of Management for Dalhousie University. We've been discussing the high cost of food and we've seen some costs hit record highs as inflation soared over the last year. And while the overall pace of inflation story began to slow earlier this year, consumer food prices remained high. And reality is we may never pay pre-pandemic prices again. So there's no doubt that the higher costs have changed shopping behaviors as consumers are really attempting to cut their costs. So then your team has conducted surveys on this. So let's talk about some of the changes in consumer behavior and how these changes can actually be saving consumers money. Well, so people are becoming more creative, for sure. I mean, uh, it's they, they have to. Uh, I mean, if you're actually shopping, uh, if you're grocery shopping the same way as you did last year, you're losing money or you're spending too much money. Uh, you got to be creative. You got to know what your options are, whether it's online or in person. Um, the one thing that we've noticed as a lab is that, you know, there's there are farmers markets out there. Food Food inflation has barely impacted farmers' markets, by the way. So uh, often 
we see uh, markets or open markets as being more expensive, yes, of course, they are expensive, but they're not as expensive as they used to. And, of course, sometimes late in the afternoon, I'm not familiar with some of the markets that you you may have um, in uh, Newfoundland Labrador, but sometimes when you show up late in the afternoon, farmers and vendors want to get rid of their inventory, and they actually offer stuff at half price. And so you got to be more strategic about these things. And of course, uh, you are seeing more people going to discount stores way more often. Discounting is a big thing. Again, Sobeys, when it presented uh, its results, they're actually planning to convert a lot of stores across the country. And uh, that's what we're expecting. Uh, And and people will actually go. One other thing is that independent grocers, like small stores, um, again, people think that small is expensive. Not necessarily. If you look carefully at prices, sometimes you'd be very, very surprised. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, it's really, it comes down to that comparison shop. And as much as we want to support local stores, and I'm a big advocate to, for that, and I try to do it as much as I can, in times where your budget is tight, you need to be looking at where can you get the best bang for your buck, right? So whether that's going to a couple of stores to get the things that you need because you're going through the flyers. And we know that one-third of Canadians right now at 32% are reviewing weekly flyers in order to help reduce their food costs. It's important, right, that you're, you understand where you can actually get things for the best dollar to make your your cash flow go as far as it can. So some of the other things uh, I think that stood out to me from the survey, uh, Sylvain, so one-third at 33.7% are using loyalty points to help them pay for groceries. Is that a trend that you would expect to continue? Uh, I think so. I, I think so. Uh, and uh, and frankly, I, I think that we're training consumers to be more frugal. Uh, we're we're training consumers to be a little bit more careful and uh, attentive to prices. Uh, we're actually going through what we went through in the early '80s when inflation was actually at 15%. Uh, I'm old enough to remember that when um, when we were grocery shopping. Uh, we only looked at what's on sale. Like we couldn't, we didn't buy anything else. And so I think that's exactly what's going on again right now. Uh, is that people will be a little bit more careful with uh, with their with their budget for for a long time. That's the legacy of what we're going through right now. Yeah, it's. Um it's so important, right? And we've had, we've talked about it on the show before, you know, some strategies for for lowering your food costs is meal planning, right? So not only going through the flyers, but going through them with a plan for what the meals are that you're going to set out for the week or the two weeks, however often it is that you're going to the grocery store. Another way we've talked about in the past too, Sylvain, which I think is worth uh, mentioning is, you know, consumers can save money by purchasing privately labeled food products versus um, name brands, right? So the no-name products. And right now, now we're seeing that one in five Canadians at 21% are doing this. And I know that that's something that you've talked about is important as well. Absolutely. And uh, people are noticing, uh, before people thought, well, private labels are cheaper, they're not as good. Well, you know, uh, because of what's going on with inflation, people are looking for different options. And one of them are private labels. And, And on the supply side of things, uh, grocers are actually looking uh, at uh, offering more private labels in the future. So actually, we are expecting that market to grow even further uh, for the next little while. Because, I mean, Loblaws is is really the best 
grosser uh, when selling private labels, but but Sobeys is is also picking up the pace, and so is Metro. Uh, Walmart and Costco are starting to really flourish, uh, uh, particularly Costco with their Kirkland brand. Uh, they're 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 doing very well with with Kirkland in general, and so more people are actually buying these products. Yeah, I think one of the pitfalls, because, uh, you know, certainly there's lots of things at Costco that when you look at the per unit price is cheaper, right, and seems like a good deal. I think the important thing is to make sure that we're not creating food waste by buying in bulk, right, so that it goes off before you're going to use it all. Or try to combine with people, right? So if, if you can save money by buying in bulk, going on with your friends, family, neighbors, like, you know, source it together, right, so that you get the savings, but you're not creating food waste that we talked about earlier. Exactly. So I think one of the last points that I want to talk about before we move to final thoughts is that just over one in five, so just under 16% of Canadians, have started growing their own food. Now, I think that's a trend that we likely will see more of and I think would be a good thing for everyone. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of people think, well, you need space, you need a backyard. Not necessarily. You can actually, now even in Newfoundland, Labrador, there are some companies offering uh, some equipment, selling some equipment, uh, allowing people to grow food all year round. Uh, We grow food all year round uh, here in Halifax, so it's quite possible. And people are, you know, intrigued. Uh, I think uh, the gardening rate in Canada reached a peak in 2021. But uh, uh, we surveyed Canadians uh, last year, and only to realize a lot of people gave up on gardening because it's a lot of work. Uh, it's, you can't just put seeds in the ground and, and hope for the best. And there's more to it than that. And so, but people, the gardening rate is much higher than than, than pre-COVID. And food inflation is getting people to reconsider gardening. But they also know. I mean, consumers are good at math. They know that. One, if, if you want to save money uh, and garden, you have to commit to it for a long time because you have, you have to amortize the cost of all the equipment. You can't just use your hands. You have to buy stuff. And if you buy stuff, uh, you, you need to use equipment uh, for a few years before you actually get your money back. It's like an investment, right? You're investing in the, the stuff up front to pay dividends in, in the long run, right? With regard to the freshness of food, the availability of food that you're creating for yourself. Well, certainly exactly. some positive and, and cost-cutting changes, but if consumers look for ways to save, and, and as we know today, we've been talking about right high inflation, rising interest rates, every dollar really does count. So thanks for all your tips today, Sylvan. If you uh, had a final thought for our listeners today, what would it be? What's important, I think, and, and it comes up a lot in my discussions with um, with media and, and people in general, uh, I actually do think that most consumers don't know how much power they have. Their behavior actually uh, will have a huge impact on prices. Uh, if you walk into a grocery store, and there's 20,000 different, different products, if you walk into a grocery store and there's one product that's too expensive, just walk away. I'm sure there will be another option in that same store for you at a good price. And uh, if you wait a while, if you come back a few days later, that overpriced product may actually drop in price, may actually be cheaper. So your behavior has a huge impact on prices in general. So don't feel vulnerable. You have way more power than you think. 
That's great. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining me today. It's always great to have you on the show. You've also got some, always got some great insights for our listeners. So if people wanted to connect, maybe follow you on social media, learn more about the AgriFood Analytics Lab, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can just uh, Google AgriFood Analytics Lab, Dalhousie University. They'll find all our research. It's available for free in both English and French. And I also have a podcast called The Food Professor. It's one, it's a top-rated podcast in Canada. And uh, people can just uh, find the podcast on uh, on their favorite platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, yeah, so uh, it's all there. And uh, we actually have one episode every week. That's great. Well, again, thanks for joining me today, and I look forward to having you on uh, again in the future. All right. Take care. And always remember, I want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoneyatbdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoneyatbdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees, on your VOCM.